0: The play where Sabian says, you know, white supremacy is everywhere here. Everything on this damn continent is white. And she sort of gestures around. The textiles don't just reference icebergs and cold and snow. They also eerily look a little bit like clan robes and the way that they're hanging from a peak, you know, make them sort of reminiscent of something else. That is definitely um a direct reference to my own family history and coming from Memphis and being, you know, in the South and and how present the fear of that is. Uh, my name is Cyrus Marcus Ware and I'm a visual artist and an activist um, and a parent and an identical twin. Antarctica started as a speculative fiction short story that uh, really was an attempt for me to grapple with what it meant to be living at the end of the world and what it meant to be living at the end of capitalism and what it meant to be living at this time of dramatic change. In 1959, there was the creation of the Antarctic Treaty that set out Antarctica as a scientific reserve, where there would be no military activity, where no one would live there permanently, and that it would be used for scientific exploration. There was a whole bunch of countries who signed on to this treaty, and uh, Antarctica was divided up into future colonies. Areas that are sort of claimed by particular countries like New Zealand, Australia, Argentina, Chile. In general, the Antarctic Treaty set aside these uh, pie-shaped areas as peaceful areas that would only be used for scientific exploration. But then, you know, in nineteen in the 1970s, someone was incidentally born there because they were sort of an accidental occurrence during a science expedition. And then after that, people started sending uh, citizens there to be born to stake future land claims. And so up to and through into the 90s, this is what's been happening. I've just tried to imagine what would be the most likely outcome um, if Antarctic ice melts to the point where the rocks are bare, where there's you know, sea life and, and plant life growing and springing up on the continent, you know that there's going to be an investment in colonizing that place. I mean, they didn't send 10 people there to be born for no reason. They sent them there to stake future land claims. So I'm just imagining what would happen when that eventuality actually takes place. As I was writing the piece, you know, I started being able to lift things from news headlines almost daily because, of course, Antarctica has been undergoing a heat wave. So, um, you know, huge, the Pine Glacier broke off while I was writing um, the play, and so I was able to incorporate that into it. And, of course, now another huge, significant piece the size of Manhattan um, has just broken off of Antarctica because of the heat wave, and these calves are, like, floating in, in the Antarctic waters and of course increasing the temperature as they do. So, um, you know, that process of sort of doing research became easier and easier as climate change advanced. The play centers around three BIPOC Antarcticans who are sent to Antarctica to set up colonies. One of them, Sabian, is an activist. She absolutely is against the process of colonization, and yet she's sent there regardless. One of the Antarcticans is not an activist. He's somebody who was just looking for some security in his life because the world was on fire and nothing was certain, and he was offered this chance to go to Antarctica and carry out his country's plan. And he agrees to do so, but he gets swept up in Sabian's uh, hope and an inspiration of a potentially free Antarctica where more than just rich people survive. And then the last character is um, a black woman named Jessica who uh, has been sent to Antarctica and who is desperate to just sort of fulfill her duty and her mission and she's in support of the company and what they're trying to do, in part because she knows where her next meal is coming from and she's trying to be practical. I mean, it's important to mirror these characters on, you know, real-life activism and and activists that I know in my life, in part because I'm trying to bring to life um, the actual experience of being an activist in this current moment because I think that activism is really misunderstood. Activists get portrayed as these one-dimensional characters who are only ever in the streets who are only ever yelling, who are you know, and, and they they don't get to be three-dimensional beings. It centers around these stories of BIPOX because I want I actually don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if we're gonna survive this. I sometimes am not hopeful. And I've read great speculative fiction stories and Margaret Atwood stories and whoever else, and it's all white people who are in the future. And I'm trying to offer something different, something that suggests that perhaps it's bipox who survive for a reason. Angela Shackle and Alia Pabani created this series for the Toronto Biennial of Art. For more on the biennials exhibitions, events and programs, go to Toronto dot org.